Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, um, Lord, you are so good, and uh, you do all things well, Lord. And uh, um, there's there's nothing that escapes your sight. And so these uh, the things that are happening, uh, Lord, with Renee's pregnancy and uh, Will's Will's leg and uh, um, the sicknesses and things, Lord, these. We know that that you know about these things, and Lord, we're just we ask for uh for you to be strong in, in those people's lives, Lord, and uh, um and we're just we're grateful that we can come to you and ask uh, our petitions, and we we have what we ask. So, Lord, uh, um, just uh, have your way with this time, and uh, we love you in Jesus' name, Amen. So before I get into it, we have one thing. Do what? Oh, okay. Okay. Then what? Okay. So I should just stall now until Michael gets here? Or? Oh, okay. Just go ahead and then. All right. <laughs> All right. So, um, so just a, a quick review. Um, last week, Chris talked about the the mountain peaks of prophecy. The that prophecy for Israel was like looking out, and they could just see. They couldn't see everything that was going on. They could just see the mountaintops. They couldn't see what was going on in the valleys. And so we'll see some of that today too. Um, so and then to so for today we're going to talk about Daniel's seventy weeks. And so if you go out and you Google Daniel's seventy weeks, the hits are just one after another. There's pages of them. But so so it seems like it's something really special, but. The fact is, is that God, God has been dealing with Israel on a 490-year cycle for a long time. He started back with the birth of Abraham. So there's 490 years from the birth of Abraham to the Exodus. And then there's 490 years from the Exodus to the dedication of the temple. And so we're actually going to look at, so we're, Daniel 9 is in this third one, and we're actually looking at this last one. So, but if you Google that, if you Google 490-year cycle, like, you don't get anything. It's, it's just funny how, here's a biblical truth of 490-year cycles, and people don't seem to understand it, but, but they get... Daniel 70 weeks, or at least they have an opinion on it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so now one thing that's kind of interesting, and we'll see this too, is, and this is something that people will say that there's errors in the Bible, and it's because there's time periods where in one place it says so many years passed, and in another place it says a different number of years passed. And that's in here. So 
particularly in Judges, there's two, two times, one's an Acts, where it says so many years passed. But then in Chronicles, it says, no, this many years passed. And it's because God doesn't see the time that, they're, that Israel is in captivity. When they're in captivity dealing with their sin, God's just like, I'm, I'm just, they're set aside right now. I'm not looking. And then he comes back. When they come back, he starts counting time again. So with, with Daniel 9 at the beginning, which... I'm deciding I want my scriptures now. <laughs> so the beginning of Daniel 9, we can see when it starts. So the, the Babylonians, so in the first year of Darius, the son of ah Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Okay, so the captivity started off with the Babylonians, but this is the first year of the king of the Medes. So the Babylonians had just been overthrown. There's a new regime coming into power, and Daniel is studying Jeremiah, and he sees that the current captivity is going to last 70 years. And that 70 years is almost up. So he's, he's been in his word, not just reading it, but studying it. And so his response is to seek the Lord by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. He's, he's serious. He's not just going to. So. So he's confessing the sins of the nation. Okay. So he's confessing the sins of the nation and his own sins. So, so do, do we have a responsibility? To it's kind of weird, right? He's confessing the sins, his sins, but then he's confessing like the sins of the whole nation and he's confessing the sins of the fathers. And like, like, that's a lot of people he doesn't have any power over. Like his fathers are gone, right? So, I mean, what's, that might seem kind of weird, but, but there's a reason for that. So for us, is, should we be doing that? Should we be confessing the faults of our nation before the Lord? Yeah, that's 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 3. I exhort, therefore, that first all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceable life, 
lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So yeah, Daniel's doing this. We actually should be too. It's, it's really easy to look at the government and go, they're ruining everything. But maybe we should be doing our part. And, and then how, how long does Daniel pray? the wrong button if we look at Daniel 9 it says in verse 21 yea whilst I was speaking in prayer even the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly touched me about the time of the evening oblation So he prayed, he prayed until he got an answer. So so God sends his messenger to give Daniel the message. But you know what? We actually, so we don't actually need that. If you have Jesus Christ, God doesn't have to send a messenger to you. The Holy Spirit is actually in you and can give you that message. So this is actually a good time to break since Mike's here. <laughs> so um, did you want to come up, Deanna, or you want? Okay. Oh, that's why we're waiting. This is unusual. We don't usually do this if you're listening to the recording. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to need some extra help up here. Um, Chris and Christine, come on up. I didn't sign up. <laughs> That's okay. You were volunteered. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> So, come on up so they can see you still on there because there's people looking online. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, we are so appreciative of you guys. And we love you so much. And um, so, we took up a little collection to give you guys a little Christmas present. And um, everybody in, our, in the class signed it because oh. it's from the whole class. Oh. So... Wow, that took a lot of work. I didn't even know you guys were doing this. I know. We, we, we've we been doing it for a while. Pretty sweet. <laughs> we didn't put you on that WhatsApp group. So. Oh, uh, my sorry. goodness. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You guys are goodness. too much. Thank you. Oh, my doing? goodness. You guys are the most amazing class. Wow. Thank you yeah, so love much. You. Oh, we love you guys, too. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Scott, can we go around and have like everyone? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna let Christine do all the hugging. Um, 
You guys, that's a... Uh... So this is a little weird to interrupt the, the message with a thing, but man, um, like we love you guys. We, we, <clears throat> like it's an honor. It's a privilege for us to get to minister with you guys and, and to lead this group is <clears throat> in our minds, a, a high calling that God would like God had to count us able. That's what the scripture says. You know, we give thanks to God who counted us able for the ministry. Cause like who's sufficient to be able to do God's work in the lives of God's people. But <clears throat> if like, if we had to pay every week to do what we're doing, we would do it joyfully and, and, so we love you guys. Um, I, I hope you know that <clears throat> communicating that is evidently not one of my strong points. <laughs> Sometimes I come across like the ER doctor. Here's your problem. Here's your prescription. Next, like, oh, there's your problem. Here's your prescription. Like, like, and it's just like I, I get objective and sometimes about that. But you guys should know. We love you greatly, and uh, we thank God for you. And and um, like I don't even know, I don't even feel right about receiving <clears throat> something. You know, I don't know. Thank you. We, yes, we receive it, but it's it's weird for us because we would we we feel like being in the position we are is is its own reward. So anyway, thank you. We love you. Our children giving us something. Okay. All right. All right. All right. And I will say that I would not be up here if Chris hadn't tricked me into preaching my first message. And uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> I can't remember how he did it, but yeah, it was, it was sly. So, <laughs> all right. So that was kind of the, the leading up to the, uh, uh, the verses about the 70 weeks. So let's get into it. So verse 24, which is hard to read. I probably should have made that white. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So Daniel might have been expecting a message of, yes, the captivity is going to be over and everything's going to be good again. But that kind of doesn't sound that way, does it? There's 70 weeks to finish transgression and make an end of sin. Okay. It's, it's not going to be roses. But 
the end sounds pretty good to seal up the vision and the prophecy to anoint, anoint the most holy. Like they would understand that. That's, that's the coming of the Messiah. So let's take a look now. Uh, uh, we'll look at the timeline. Now, therefore, know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. And the street shall be built up again and the wall even in troublous times. So if you go out there and look at, if you go out there and start Googling and start looking, like you'll see there's, there's kind of two decrees. There's one in Ezra and there's one in Nehemiah. So the commandment, this commandment to go forth to restore and build Jerusalem is Nehemiah. Because that's, that's actually what he's doing is, I mean, it specifically says, this, and the wall. And if you look at Nehemiah 2, 1 through 6, Well, Nehemiah 2, 1 through 6 actually sets the, sets the time that it happened and shows that this is, this is the proclamation to rebuild, um, rebuild Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is awesome. I love that book. So this happened in B.C. 445. So, and actually... Clarence Larkin says it was actually March 14th. I don't know exactly how they come by March 14th, but it does say, and it came to pass in the month Nisan in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king. So there is, there is a time specified there that this happens. So we can look back at it. So then we have going forward to rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, comma, three score and two weeks. So we have the, the times there. So these these weeks are not they're not regular weeks. The week is a week is seven days, but in prophetical sense, a day is a year. So seven weeks would be seven times seven is 49. So it's 49 years. Three score and two weeks, 62 weeks is 434 years. But that's kind of a funny way to say it, isn't it? I mean, if he means 69, 69 weeks, why didn't he, he didn't just say 69 weeks. He said seven. And then he said three score and two. You see this a lot in prophecy where the prophets will come and they'll say, in a week, this is going to happen. Oh, and then in 10 years, this other thing is going to happen. So the short prophecy is so that when it happens, people will go, that crazy prophet said this was going to happen. We better be watching in 10 years. 
We better we better get ready. <clears throat> so there's a short one and a long one. And so this the seven years, the 49 years is just the rebuilding of Jerusalem. It's the work of Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, when Nehemiah went, the wall was built in 52 days. That was very fast. But basically what they did was they walled in just the city was torn down. I mean, the city was a wreck. So it took years to rebuild the city. Decades, actually. All right. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at some time here. Oh, that's kind of cool. It's got an eraser right there. So the proclamation was 445 BC, right? Oops. And Christ went to the cross, or he, he came into Jerusalem at 8030. So... If we add those together, we get, I guess I can actually use the eraser that I found. So it would be 475 years. But 69 times 7 is 483 years. Hmm. So that is, there's eight years missing. So some people would throw their Bible down and go, well, it's got errors. I don't have to do any of it. Okay, but we're not going to do that. We, we can find these eight years. So there's different calendars. So I think I put it in the handout. So we have to look at what kind of calendar we're using. I didn't even think about this initially until I started this, but... There's a lunar calendar. So there's a calendar based on the moon. The, the, there's a prophetical calendar, which we'll talk about in a minute, for this 360-day years. The solar year is 365, but the calendar we use is the Julian calendar, which is 365 with a leap year every four years. So... Which calendar, which calendar are we using? We got. We need to know what God is using to count before we start counting ourselves. So, if we look at Genesis seven, we'll go back to the flood. God gives us some information, which is awesome. but it's only there for people who will look, right? <clears throat> so Genesis 7:11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up. Okay, so there we have the 17th day of the second month. 
in Genesis 8, verse 3. So we missed a bunch there, but, and the waters were turned off from the earth continually. And after the end of, end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month on the mountains of Ararat. Well, that's pretty nice math. We went from the second month to the seventh. So there's five months there. And it was 150 days. That's pretty easy math. Even I can do that. So that's a 30-day month. Which implies a 360-day year. Yep. So it looks like we're using a prophetical calendar. God's counting on a prophetical calendar. All right. You guys ready to work? Good. So we have this 475 years. We really kind of need to include the year we started because I mean, if we just subtract, we're not, we're not getting one of the endpoints. So 475 years or 476 years is I'm going to cheat and look at this because I don't know these numbers. 1,700 100, no, 170 all right, I need 173,740 days Okay, but there's leap years in there. So we need to add those days in. So there's 119 days. That aren't accounted for there. So the proclamation was made in March Christ entered Jerusalem on April 2nd. If we include the endpoints, that's 20 days. Aren't we glad that Jesus didn't come into Jerusalem on April 1st? I'm here to save y'all. Just kidding, April Fools. He's gracious. He's so good to us. He didn't do that. So. <laughs> 879, yeah. Very good. So now if you take that and divide by 360, you end up one day shy of 69 weeks. 
0.997. Now that's why I said it's one it's one day shy. If this had been 880, it'd have been the day. Well, so I mean this is this is amazing, isn't it? I mean, God set the time. He set the time in his word, and it works out. Prophetical. That's how God counts time. God counts time on 360-day years. So when he says, when God says something lasted for 10 years, he means 10 360-day periods. That's just the lunar cycles. If you're counting, if you're counting a year on the lunar cycles, it'll be 354 days. So <clears throat> this is incredible. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, I believe that there are no errors in the Bible. And I, I, and I take that by faith, but then it's like, I see this and it's like, it's not just faith anymore. Like it's, <laughs> yes. So the 69 weeks at the end of that. So that is when the Prince, the Messiah, the Prince, unto Messiah the Prince. And then because we have that seven weeks there, we saw that that was Nehemiah. And uh, um, Nehemiah, Nehemiah 4, it talks about they, they worked. They worked with one hand and they held a weapon in the other. That's troublous time when you have to do that. Does anybody here have to do that? Carry a weapon to their job? No security guards or policemen. Okay. So, yeah, that was a big deal. So, all right. Verse uh, 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. But not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. You're just, you're getting ahead. That's awesome. So, so Messiah shall be cut off. So we know Jesus was crucified and he was sinless. So he didn't, he wasn't paying that penalty for himself. He was cut off, but not for himself. It was for all of us. And this is a good time for this message to be coming because it's that time of year. It's Christmas. So, yeah. And then we see, and the people of the prince... And now we saw in the previous verse, Messiah the Prince, Prince was capitalized, but here it's lowercase. So this is actually, 
this is Satan's people or the Antichrist people. So this is about when Rome came and destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. And uh, um, and they just, and they came with a flood. I mean, there was no, there was no opposing Rome when they came in. Yes. Yeah. So that's that the two time periods. So the the seven weeks and then this three score in two weeks. So that brings Jesus in. So the last verse in the, in the chapter, and he shall confirm the government with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. That's kind of weird language, isn't it? <laughs> but this is that last week. And this is actually the tribulation. So we can see, we don't, I didn't see the whole week in Revelation, or at least I didn't find a verse, but in Revelation, there's several verses about the last three and a half. So Revelation 11.2 says, but the court which was without, without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot 40 and two months. So 42 months is... Three and a half years. Um, <clears throat> Revelation 13.5 has the 40 and two months also. Revelation 11.3 says, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy, prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, sacked and clothed in sackcloth. So a thousand two hundred and threescore days is and a half years but it but it's three and a half years on the prophetic calendar right of it's three and a half years of 30 day months and then the last when you see revelation 12 14 and the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. So that's, again, a kind of a weird phrase. But if we compare it with the others, we can see that a, a time is one year. Times would be two more, three, and then half a time, half a year. So we have that consistency 
in Revelation and then also here. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> so there, there are there's a, a theology out there called replacement theology, and I know Chris has talked about it. <clears throat> people, there, there are people that think that the the church, the Christian church, has replaced Israel. <clears throat> but if we look at this, the, the seventy weeks. So we'll do. We'll just. We'll. I'll do a little example, right? So. David has a warehouse. He works a warehouse. So I'm going to be a supplier and I'm going to go to David and I'm going to say, hey, you, you want to sell this product. I'll bring it to you. And we agree on a price and we agree on a timing for the deliveries. And so I start delivering to him. And then 69 months into it, I go, you know, I'm not really liking David anymore. I'm going to replace David with Farid and I'm going to start delivering to Farid for the same price and the same product, right? Because I need to keep my word. I need to keep my contract. So I'm going to replace David. That, that, it doesn't matter. I'm going to start delivering. It doesn't make sense. Does it like, like that's not keeping the contract and see more problems. <laughs> so that's, that's not keeping the covenant. That's not keeping the contract. If you replace one people with another, it doesn't make sense. <clears throat> you know, when you get a PhD, you, you get crazy for much learning. I think the Bible says that somewhere. They said it about Paul, but right. So so the what I got out of this was just it just reinforced to me how perfect the word of God is and the instructions. And if if we'll just do those things, God will fulfill his promises. He's not backing out on the, on the 70 weeks. That's going to happen. He's not going to back out on any of the promises. Um, I talked a little bit about Daniel in the beginning. So Daniel realizing that the captivity was almost done he starts praying and doing all this confessing and there's a lot of it. Well, if you look back in Leviticus, God said, look, you guys, here's the law. If you'll love me and do these commandments, I'll bless you. At the bottom of it, it says though, Hey, if you don't, if, if you forsake me, I'm going to forsake you. Your, your land's going to be desolate. Your city is going to be taken over. You're going to go into captivity. Right after that, it says, 
hey, if you'll see the error of your way and you'll confess your sin and confess the sins of your fathers, then I'll, I'll hear and I'll heal your land and I'll start to bless you again. That those early verses in Daniel are not, they're not random. Daniel knew Leviticus. He saw the end of, end of the captivity and he's going, oh, I need to do that. I need to obey what Leviticus says. I need to pray. I need to confess my sins. I need to confess the sins of the fathers to bring about God's blessing again. Okay, so the word of God has a lot of promises for us. Like, like that promise is not to us. But there are a lot of promises to us. Okay, go in, go into the word of God and find a promise, something you need and grab a hold of it. And just don't, don't think about what it says to do. Just, okay, God, you said to do it. If you said to do it, there must be a way. <laughs> and do those things and just, and see God come through. So... Awesome. Chris told you that I would have something for you to sketch into your Bible. There's just draw that in the margin. <laughs> actually, this is a Clarence Larkin diagram. These are awesome. So, and actually I brought in, I actually bought the book, Dispensational Truth. I don't normally like, but this is a great book and it's got his diagrams in it. but it also actually explains all the diagrams and talks about dispensational theology and great book. But if you want, if you just want the diagrams, you can get them on, I think blue letter Bible, you can download them. Um, yeah. So I didn't put anything in the handout about what to discuss in your groups, but, but maybe you can discuss what promises you need. What, what do you need? And is there a promise that God has made? Oh. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, um, thank you for this opportunity. And uh, Lord, I pray that, uh, um, that your word went out in your power and your spirit. And uh, Lord, I pray that, uh, that you just give us opportunity to glorify you. Lord, there's, there's no other purpose on earth um, but your glory and honor. So uh, I pray that you would uh, work in our hearts and uh, dismiss us with your blessing at the end. And uh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I know I prayed, but did anybody have any questions? No. <laughs> no that's 1919 yeah clarence uh was was an old-timey theologian audience was writing
No, because I don't know who he was writing to. I mean, it's it's a Jewish prophetical book, so it would have been to the Jews. Who was? Well, so so one thing is it's it's written to the Jews, and so since the resurrection, it's it's still not written to us. So that perspective hasn't changed at all. Um, for the for the Jews, it is it is still pertinent because they still have seven years to go if they'll if they'll read it and understand. I think the main difference is the way this passage is written that Scott covered, Daniel nine twenty four through twenty seven describes 69 weeks, okay? Then there's verse 26. Then in verse 27, it picks up with the 70th week, which like Scott taught, is the tribulation. So that's a really weird thing the Jews must have been thinking. Why do you describe 69 weeks? Then there's this thing that happens. Then there's the 70th week. How can something happen between week 1 through 69 and week 70? So each question is perspectives. Well, our perspective, we know who the Messiah is that was cut off. No, that's okay. We know who the Messiah is. The Jews didn't see that coming. This was a mystery that was concealed and is now revealed. So this time frame between the 69th and the 70th week, that's the key when you study this out, because Scott covered a bunch of stuff, and you're going to have to go back and, and, and re-listen. <clears throat> but there is a space of time between week 69 and week 70. There's a, there's a time frame between when Messiah's cut off and the 70th week. We know that as the current church they didn't they couldn't see that so it's a very different perspective um, but it should be relatively clear to us and then god's not done with israel yet there's another week that god's going to deal with all these issues that he said he's going to deal with they're not dealt with yet replacement theology says god did all the work regarding israel in 69 weeks and the 70th week just goes on indefinitely and doesn't really mean a week. But it's going to take that whole 70 weeks to conclude what God wants to conclude according to this, this passage. So, is that, how, is that how you explain that first 490 year cycle where you say 490 years between the edict of Artaxerxes and the second coming of Christ? Is that true? Oh yeah, the second coming is all the way here at the end of the 70, 70 weeks. Well, so with this one, I was just trying to get across that that 
God deals with Israel in, in 490 year periods because we have them. So here it's, it's, it's what Chris was talking about. So there's, Yeah, basically what happens is you go 69 weeks and then something happens. It, it's one of those mountain peaks. 69 weeks, you have a mountain peak and then you look off and know oh, there's another mountain peak, but, but there's this valley here that the Jews could not see. It's easy for us because we're down in it. So we can see it's like, oh yeah, we know what's going on. And we can look back and we can see Messiah being cut off, but not for himself. And we can look ahead, even though we don't know when this is, we can see that peak where the Jews are going to, they're going to face tribulation. So it is, it is, you're right. It is 70 weeks and the church age isn't counted. The church age is the space between verses... 25 and 27. So, yeah. And, and the reason why God didn't say anything about it is, this might get too, too heady, but when Jesus came the first time, he made a legitimate offer of the kingdoms to the Jews. They had the opportunity to accept those. Well, if he'd put it in scripture that you're going to go 69 weeks, and then there's going to be this period where the Gentiles are doing their thing. And then we're going to come back and do another week. Well, then those offers wouldn't have been legitimate because he has to keep his word. So he, he couldn't say, oh, this is going to happen, even though he knew it. Because he came and made a legitimate offer to the Jews. They could have accepted their Messiah when he came the first time. And it would have looked a lot different. Yes. When Jesus was here, we had them both. Rome would have killed him. He had to, he still had to die. There's lots of prophecy that says the Messiah is going to die and resurrect. So it's still that still had to happen, but the Jews didn't have to do it. <laughs> feel good that's uh, most of our small group time <laughs> alright thank you praise the Lord yes you are dismissed I prayed that earlier Everybody's heading up to the main building. Can you grab a coffee container? Or Hi, everybody.